everyone. It's Stacy, the host of Tent Talks Podcast. I'm so glad you're here listening in. Thank you. And we've got Kimberly on sound production and editing. Shout out to her for all of her good, hard behind the scenes work. Today, we're going to talk about aligned action. I was listening to the Moonbeaming podcast and Sarah, the host, was talking, she used this phraseology, aligned action. And I haven't been able to get it out of my head ever since I've heard her say that because it kind of encapsulates this whole thing that I've been trying to explain to people. I mean, we've heard different iterations of it. When you know better, you do better. Or with more awareness, you can make different choices. But aligned action just really summed it up so beautifully. And I've changed my mind a lot as a human as a provider with my work doing massage. And just as I don't know, as a voter, as a woman, all of these roles that I show up in, some are assigned and some are chosen. But I've had to reevaluate and change my mind a lot and be really intentional. And the thing about intentionality is it requires a lot of awareness. Because a lot of the time we're actually operating on just loops of patterns of repeat. You know, you notice that there are some people, you kind of have the same flow of conversation. You maybe talk about the same things. You follow the same kind of pleasantries. You take the same route to work every day. We are creatures of habit. And so we habitually do things for familiarity and sometimes just because it takes a lot of energy and attention to do something different. And when we start this process of what I call waking up or being aware of your inside, your internal voice, being aware of some of the things that you do in reactivity or response, acting from pain, instead of acting from, you know, a more celebrated part of yourself, when you finally become aware of the whys and the hows of your brain and your presence, it can become really overwhelming because I remember thinking like, how am I going to monitor my thoughts? Like thoughts just happen. And while that is true, there is plenty of thinking that is just non-intentional. It does require a lot of attention to if you're thinking about something that makes you feel bad or uncomfortable, then it is your responsibility to think a new thought. And how I've been taught to pay attention in like the metaphysical world is this is a lot of like Abraham Hicks theology. And this woman, her name is Esther Hicks, she became a channel or a medium, and she was channeling this undefined either group or individual person or this, just this entity that goes by Abraham. It's unclear. This Abraham figure is not necessarily taking on a specific body or a singular body. So she channels this Abraham, and Abraham 
is speaking to Esther Hicks and, and she records, you know, these channels. And so part of the theology of Abraham is to focus on your feelings. And based on how you feel, then you know whether or not you're thinking something that is helpful for you. Because if if you're feeling bad, then it's coming from a thought that you're thinking. And so you have to change the way you're thinking in order to feel a different feeling. And so a lot of Abraham ideology, information, wisdom, those channels that were shared, they became like a really big part of my spiritual awakening and sort of beyond a spiritual awakening, just a practice of meditation. And there's this phrase called in the vortex. And it's about like thinking positively and thinking about possibility and creating such a strong vortex around you that the good things come in and the the really positive aspects of life come and find you because you've got this vortex surrounding you and you're living in the flow of life. And so even if something, you know, objectively shitty happens, it's like, oh, well, that was happening like for me, like it put me in a path or it changed my trajectory. And so it's this way of of radically accepting life because you're putting a positive spin on it by changing the way that you think because you're spinning it so that you feel better about yourself. So you're changing the way that you feel by changing the way that you think. I don't know if that makes sense how I described it. But that was a big part of my philosophy for probably the last decade, maybe more. And Esther wrote the book, The Law of Attraction, which then somebody made and condensed. And they took all of those teachings and they made it the secret. And the secret was really big, circa like 2010. I mean, that was all anybody in the metaphysical world was talking about was the secret. And then it became this like verb, did you secret that? And it just meant like, did you manifest that or call that forth because of like your positive embodiment and the way that you feel like you just only bring in things that assist you or help you. Anyway, it got really convoluted. That way of thinking got really convoluted for me as I did some further deconstruction of that because sometimes what we call positivity and luck and manifestation is really just like white privilege and showing up in the world in a white body and having a lot more accessibility to different things than other people having the time or the resources or the network or the advantages. And so I really had to deconstruct some of that and where I've landed now is a more somatic or body practice, dropping it down to the physical body, because your feelings are housed in your physical body. And so getting more physical with life and getting in your body and feeling your feelings and not just intellectualizing them so that you can change a thought pattern, but actually feeling your body feeling physical sensations and aligning that with emotions and really allowing time and space for that has been the biggest shift in the way that I now move through the world and see things happening. And it's not that I don't believe in, you know, changing your feelings to be a more positive mindset. That just kind of got wrapped up into a lot of 
white wellness culture manifestation and like toxic positivity, love and light land. And so I I really had to reevaluate that. And the verbiage that was introduced to me by Sarah on the Moonbeaming podcast of aligned action really felt like it represented a lot of this deeper concept of like, when you know something to be true in your body, you can no longer deny it. And you can know something to be true in your body and you can still have a hard time with your actions aligning to what that is. And so the gap between knowing better and doing better is awareness. So you have to be present moment and mindful and you have to be living and speaking in a way that is present. So For example, let me just throw out an example. If I'm hanging out with a friend and they've shared something exclusive to me, like, hey, I've had a problem with this in the past and it's something that I'm really sensitive about and I would appreciate if we just don't talk about it because it really makes me feel small in conversations or it brings up a lot of you know, defensiveness in me. And so I would prefer if we just didn't talk about this anymore. And the weird thing is, is after somebody has spoken a verbal boundary or has shared something, even if it's not presented as a boundary, but it's something now that you know, you have information and information is power. So the next thing you know, you're at a party and All of a sudden, in the group of conversations, somebody's talking about something that you know is going to be harmful for this person. You've got a choice to make. You can go with the flow and be casual and just kind of, you know, do the old song and dance that you would typically do. Or you can say, huh, I know that this conversation is no longer safe for everybody in the room. So I can be that advocate and I can really steer the conversation. I don't have to call anybody out because this is just information that I have now. I'm not making any announcements on behalf of anybody in this group setting. I'm just shifting conversation or or I can use my voice in that way and I can say, hey, I'm not really comfortable talking about this. Can we change topics? There's a lot of ways you can handle it or hey, uh, I don't I don't really want to talk about this right now. Or there's a lot of ways that you can handle a situation. But when you know something, you can make a decision. You can be part of the solution. And while it's not your job to do that, you can. It's a choice. And the choice is actually like stepping into your new awareness and aligning your actions with what you know. Or it's just kind of being another one of those bumps on a log that just like keeps going at the same trajectory. And so I've really taken when people share something and when they're vulnerable with me, I really take that as an invitation to show up differently, especially when I'm with them. But even when I'm not with the person, it's now something that I'm aware of, like, oh, everybody isn't really comfortable with talking about this or, oh, this isn't part of everybody's realities. 
now I know and now I can show up better and, and in a way that's more inclusive. And what's really tricky about this is that people can get really tired. It can, it can be exhausting. And so they they start saying things like, is any conversation topic safe? Like, boy, everything has to be politically correct nowadays. I mean, that's something that my parents say a lot. And to me, I just see it as being more inclusive, like really expanding your arms wider for more compassion and for more people to feel included and safe and loved in a setting. Because I'm telling you, there are so many other things to talk about than labeling people or judging people or talking about people's bodies. I don't know, talking about like religious things or different ideologies. If if you know that something that you're bringing to the table is problematic for people around you, just stop talking about it. Literally find anything else to talk about. And I find that that is really challenging. And what I found to be most challenging, and maybe some of y'all out there feel the same way, is that I can be a better ally for somebody than I can be for myself. So if I, as a person, have decided, "Mm, I have this new boundary for myself, and I don't want to talk about this certain topic with people anymore, because I just want to get that out of my vocabulary or out of like topics that we want to talk about. So I'm going to steer the conversation. I do find myself in old patterns with people and I put their needs above mine. I say, well, I guess they really needed to talk about this or process this. I mean, I'm certain that they know that I'm not really into this because, you know, maybe I've mentioned it, maybe I haven't. But on the other side of that, when you share something with somebody When you've made an internal shift, you might be thinking, oh, well, certainly this person would know that about me. It is not true. You have to verbally say to people, hey, I don't want to talk about that anymore. That's not something I'm comfortable with. And if I knew a simple way to do that, I would be the poster child for it, but I don't. I'm still learning and navigating in relationships of how to do that because it feels like for me internally, the process is like, boy, I'm so precious that I have to like list my needs, but everybody has needs. And if on the receiving end of that, when somebody comes to me and they share something private that feels really vulnerable with me, I do my best to hold that in a really safe way. And I want to help advocate for them. And I want to receive them and include them and be a part of their like advocacy. And yet somehow it feels harder for me to be the person that shares my vulnerabilities with other people and that makes requests. Hey, I, I would love if we didn't go here or do this thing or talk about this thing. It's not something that I value. I don't align with that anymore. It makes me uncomfortable. I don't feel safe. I mean, there's a million ways to say it, but when you're speaking to a friend, hopefully they can hold that space for you. But I think the really hard part of this equation 
is using your voice and actually making requests and or informing the people that you love that you don't want to do this thing anymore. And part of aligned action is taking action steps, is actually doing the things, not just talking about it, not just thinking about it, but doing it and making those steps. And it feels really challenging to do because, again, we're very sensitive creatures. And sometimes we think that we're risking a relationship or a friendship by simply making requests. And the people that you make the requests or that you share that intimate information with, those are your people. And you'll know how much respect they have for you and how much awareness that they have. Because I have made requests with people and then had to remind them, oh, yeah, again, sorry to say this, but I'd really prefer it if, you know, X, Y, and Z. And sometimes it takes people time to adjust, but most of the time they will, and they'll surprise you, and it'll be okay. And relationships have so many more dimensions and rhythm and flow and possibilities than we can possibly imagine. Because when people show up together and they show up with a compassionate heart, and when they show up with presence, instead of you know, constantly running off of programming or pattern when they show up and they can disrupt the pattern by being more intentional. I mean, it's really a beautiful thing and you create new patterns and you create new conversation topics and new activities that you're doing or things that you're supporting and movements that you're joining. It's hard to describe it because I feel like we've all been the person that somebody somebody has shared something with us and then we were insensitive and talked about it later and it was just maybe really unintentional and then we saw that they were near us or they were part of that conversation and we went, oh shit, I forgot you said that, you know, you made a request and or you shared this part of you that feel sensitive about this. And then I went and started up a conversation about it. And I'm really sorry. And I didn't mean to. I think we've all had that experience. And I hope that we've all had the experience where we can say something to somebody else and and have it be heard and requested. And I want to give this example that I heard I don't know where I heard it, but it was this couple and they were talking about that in a relationship, one partner had experienced a lot of male aggression and violence. And so she was requesting of her male partner that he can express anger. And that's a fine part of their relationship that she can hold space for anger. But she can only be present for that if he sits down and sits on his hands, or if they're six feet apart, or another rule is that there's no name calling. And I think relationships become really exciting, and they become really intimate, and they become really vulnerable and safe. When you can say, yes, I'll hold space for your anger. And you can hold space for the fact that I've had experiences of 
people being violent when angry. And so together we can navigate this by just creating some boundaries around it. And that's really beautiful. And it required a little bit of wiggle room from each person in that dynamic, but they came to this place of alignment together where they could move through something. And I think through that example is what I'm trying to say. We can show up as better humans. We can show up in relationships with more integrity when we're aware of the needs of others and our own personal needs. And then we can advocate and it's going to take some time and our brain is going to have to go through this process of being present. And at first, it might feel really hard to be that present and intentional. But after a while, your brain adjusts and it makes space and it soon just becomes part of the norm. And it's like the simple thing when people request certain pronouns, it just becomes fine. After a while, it's like, oh, yeah, that's cool. They prefer the pronouns of they, them, and I can include that into my brain. But at first, it might be kind of challenging. And it's the same thing that's happened with every single movement of people advocating their needs for more inclusivity. We just suddenly expand the circle. We build the bigger table. We change our language. We change our actions. And then people can feel safer and freer to be themselves without oppression and without violence. And it becomes this really beautiful part of humanity. And so as with any journey, this journey starts within the self. And you have to start paying attention to your inner dialogue and whether or not you like it or don't like it. And you can focus on that through your feelings. You can focus on that through your bodily sensations. But there is an invitation that you become more aware. And through your awareness, you can embody that and have aligned action. And that's an invitation. And it's a lifetime of an invitation. I mean, there's always something that will shift. And the invitation is to shift, to adapt with the changes so that you can stay current and stay fresh and stay open-hearted and open-armed. You know, expand your arms, expand the circle. It always starts with the self. Anyway, thank you for joining on today's podcast And if you like what you hear and you want to continue to listen, please like, share, leave a review, become a subscriber. That helps us so much. We love producing this podcast and we hope to continue to do that for folks. And thank you for your help and your reciprocity. And we'll see you next time on Tent Talks.